Welcome to Two Priests Talking, a podcast where two Anglican priests sit down to talk about our current cultural moment and how we might live as faithful Christians in the midst of it. I'm Father Aaron Wright. I am the rector here at Old North Abbey Anglican Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I am one of Two Priests Talking. Our hope is to bring you conversations about reasonable faith in what seems to be less than reasonable times. And I'm Father Nick Hamilton, the Associate Rector here at Old North Abbey, and we are Two Priests Talking. We recently had a... uh... Hey, buddy. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. We recently had a... uh... A person say that we were the Joe Rogan of the Anglican, Anglican podcast world. World, right? I think so. So, I mean, the Anglican podcast world, for those of you who don't know, every once in a while we'll make eye contact with the camera, but hopefully not too much. <laughs> well, that's a good point that you brought that up. So, if you're listening to this now for the first time, yeah, um, we are now on video. That's right. Can you get us there real quick? How would we find Two Priests Talking on video? You would look on YouTube. On what? YouTube. YouTube. Yubtub. Yub. Yubtub. YouTube for Two Priests Talking. Our channel is called Two Priests Talking. That's what we named it? Yeah. The channel? Mm-hmm. I thought about Two Priests Stalking, but decided to go, <laughs> decided not to go with that. The old joke comes back. Two Priests Talking on YouTube, but I think that we can also be found on Spotify with video. Did they do, did they do video on Spotify? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, back to being the Joe, which one of us is Joe? You should probably be Joe. Oh, man. I'll be the guest. <laughs> uh, I did like that comment. That's my favorite comment that we've gotten so far. That we are, I mean, there's been some very nice comments, just that one for some reason. My favorite one was, you saved my life. Wow. (laughs) Shock. Never happened. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we are on video now. This is kind of funny. This is, um, you would, we, this is not the Two Priests Talking studio. This is the Two Priests Talking office. Lair. Lair. That's right. (laughs) These chairs uh, came with the church building. Is that correct? They were in this building when we bought the building. They were. Go big orange. They are and, um, orange and velvet. And like wicker. And wicker. Gosh, they're beautiful. I know. I, I'm just hopeful that um, the Season Sisters, we have a group of uh, women in our church who meet for Bible study every week. And they're in their 60s. And they call themselves the Season Sisters. I think they used to be the Simply 60s. But then they realized one day they'd be in their 70s, and so they changed their name ahead mm-hmm. of time. To the Season Sisters. Yeah, but I hope they don't miss these chairs, because I did steal one of them from their room. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, they originally called themselves, and if they're listening, they're going to be so mad that I said this. They called themselves the they called themselves the SS, not realizing the sort of connotation. Right. I said, you That's cannot right. call yourself <laughs> SS. You, you can't, just can't do it. You Why? can't be the SS. There were these people. <laughs> Called the Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a group of people in their organization called the SS. We just don't do that. They were bad dudes. Oh, man. Well, anyway. And gals. 
Were there gals in the SS? Why not? It is 2022. I think there actually were. I think there were. Maybe. I, I, you studied history, not me. Yeah, I just didn't really get into the SS and gals. Fair enough. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't your specialty. It wasn't my specialty. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about these mugs that we're drinking out of? Yeah. So I had a friend when I was in seminary. From I feel Germany. like you have to do pinky up. Don't don't do pinky up. Uh, I had a friend from Germany, um, dear friend, who had these, and I lo- I fell in love with them because uh, they're just really simple, and I like it when the cream's in there because you can see it kind of mm. rise or it's beautiful. But there's that they're it's a really nice little company from Germany that makes these mugs and I got into them and uh, they are beautiful and tiny they're, they're tiny they're delicate they're delicate they're uh, they remind me of like chemist ke- a chemist that's glass. right that's right that's all they are actually <laughs> they're just oversized beakers I, just, I scratched off the uh, the measuring on the side <laughs> oh man so I would say that it takes a measure of faith to drink coffee out of this then Ooh. I wonder if that'll come across. I was trying to transition us, and you that was you, horrible. Mi- yeah, you missed I just it. didn't. No, I I heard you do it, and that's why I slammed my coffee down. It was too bad. We could try it again. Um, it looks like they were measuring in the past. Maybe it was like something that you would measure. Yeah, exactly. And so it takes a measure of faith. Oh yeah, good. A measure of faith. Interesting. To drink out of this glass. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we're in the middle of our probably not even in the middle anymore. Probably Man. towards the end. Yeah, we may be nearing the end uh, of our human flourishing series. Of our human flourishing series, where we are discussing um, what it is to flourish. For humans to flourish. That's right. That's right. Um, and last podcast we did on. Oh man, I don't even remember forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yeah, we've had some pretty good feedback about the forgiveness one. I think it was helpful. It was helpful for me just to get it off. My chest talking I felt, about forgiveness. I felt like it was helpful for me too, and 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 convicting in a lot of ways. Um, even just the invitation to continue to practice forgiveness, because I think that callous hearts are easily um, won. I think we can grow callous without realizing it. Mm-hmm. So it was it was helpful for me to engage with forgiveness as well. Mm-hmm. So and so we've been doing this thing this whole time. Really, we started off with uh, centrifugal and centripetal. Yep. This idea of an outward live life to an inwardly live life. We've talked about uh, authentic community, authentic community, and fellowship versus tribalism, mind tribalism yep. too, as well. And then we've talked about <laughs> a slew of other things that are coming back to us right now. Well, we talked about lively discourse, discourse. versus the death of discourse, death of discourse, and we uh, talked about forgiveness, yeah, and the issue opposed to forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and so we, we've, we're in the condemnation, condemnation, constant condemnation, yeah. um, constant, uh, repentance to society for the things we've done. Yeah. Um, uh, and that only in Christ. And so Christ is that outward motion of God to us. Right. Right. That God has always moved outward towards us. And so as his image bears, right, which is taking us into what we're taking, coming into today as his image bears, we are to live that kind of life. Right. As well. Uh, one that lives outward. Right. So, and so today we wanted to take two things, which was faithfulness, right? A measure of it. That's right. A measure of faith. A measure of faith. And uh, look at that with the, the the deadly aspect of that would be, or the, the non-living, like faith 
is life. Right. right? Um, and the opposite of that would be idolatry. Right. Um, I just remembered something as I was saying that. Yeah. Uh, you've seen Goodwill Hunting. I have. It's been a long time. Yeah. There's this part in the very beginning of Goodwill Hunting. What are you looking at? You got a spot on your shirt. Where? Which wouldn't matter normally, but wait, you know. What is that? Now we're on video. Gosh. That's okay. No, it's not. That's all right. I mean, don't worry about it too much. My mom always said I had a face for radio rather than video, so. <laughs> your mom said that to you. <laughs> when you were born, she's oh. like, give me that kid. She's like, oh, face got for, a face for radio. Face for radio. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Okay. <laughs> we're talking about Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Matt Damon had a face for video, though. That's oh why he gosh, made it so that big. You know? That's right. Terrible voice, though. <laughs> Not a voice. Um, there's that. There's a moment in that movie, and I think the whole movie actually sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining my mom <laughs> saying that. Uh, Tell us about Nick. Oh, oh he's got a real face for. <laughs> okay, back back to Goodwill Hunting. Oh, I can't now. <laughs> Cindy, if you're listening. Yeah. And you ever did say that to your child. It's made deep impacts because it's come back out now here in this counseling session. Even, yeah, so you did right. Yeah, you don't even remember her saying that, but it's embedded <laughs> so deeply. Those were her first words to you. Oh, man. I'm going to need some real, counseling. He's got a real face for radio. Anyway, Goodwill Hunting. Which scene? <laughs> so do you remember when... Robin Williams is yeah. teaching in the community college. Yeah. Right. And he says this, and I, I think the whole movie is actually, is found out to, this is the statement of the movie that actually becomes true, but they mock it in the very beginning. Mm. And he says, oh, what is trust? Okay. And, and Vinny, yeah. the kid like raises his hand. He's like, trust is, is life, you know? And Robin Williams like he's like, thank you, Vinny. Like he mocks it in mm. this sort of weird way, you know, where the the movie continues to move on, but he sort of mocks Vinny's statement. Vinny's correct mm. in that in the whole movie, there's this issue of trust that's having to be worked out with Matt Damon and Minnie Driver's character and Robin Williams and Ben Affleck's character, and it's the trust that they develop for one another towards the end of the movie where they actually begin to trust one another that life then begins to move forward. Mm. Like Vinny's right. And so faithfulness and trust in God, faithfulness in God, faithfulness to God actually becomes the thing that gives us life. Yeah. Where idolatry actually leads to death. Right. And so we'll get into that today. That's what we're going to be discussing. And so... And it's a bit counterintuitive to a large degree because I think faith requires that you die. In, in many ways, especially to yourself or your own notions of life. Um, but in that, you find life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and idolatry, I think, promises life in many ways. Like, this is your way to the good life, and yet it just takes everything from you. Um, mm-hmm. It destroys you in the end. Yeah. Well, because one is outwardly focused, and one is wholeheartedly inwardly focused. Right, right. Centripetal, centripetal. Yeah. Um, Let's unpack that some. And you wanted to start with Genesis. 
And I felt like that was a great place to start if you still want to go there. Some of this is from the reading you've been doing from Matthew Pajot's book. You're still reading The Language of Creation mm -hmm. by Matthew Pajot. And you had some thoughts kind of as a result of that, but more broadly just from Genesis in general. And sure. I'd love to hear that because I think that would be a good place for us to start. Yeah, and then I would like for you to discuss some of your stuff on faith that you were putting together for, for sure. this. Sure, yeah. Um, I think it'll come. Good. Yeah. Then you have a little face for me. <laughs> um, I, uh, so one of the things that I've been looking at with Genesis is, is the role of humanity, uh, in creation. Okay. Um, and a lot of times, um, we, we misunderstand like idol and image and, um, humans are meant to be this connecting point between heaven and earth, mm. right? That's what we were made to do. We, uh, and you look at this in the creation story, um, man is made of mud, right? Of the earth. Yeah. Of the substance that has no real, um, meaning. Sure. Right. Uh, and that's the thing that Pajot would talk about. It's interesting is that earth doesn't have meaning unless it's reflecting a heavenly reality. Hmm. That's what gives it its, its meaning. And it's substance, right? It, it's heaven is actually communicated through creation to what it actually is. Hmm. So it has to have uh, something to communicate. It's uh, heaven gives its meaning to earth and earth creation uh, becomes the symbol or the thing that holds up the spiritual truths and realities, hmm. right? So humans made of material matter are breathed into the nostrils, the heavenly breath of life. Yeah. So they function in this weird way in the world where they're like th the connecting point of heaven and earth. M made of earth and animated by God. Right. right. Yeah. Made right. of earth and yet given life by the breath of God. Correct. Yeah. And so they're the, we are these, we're the oddities hmm. in creation. Um, we're the unique thing in creation. And truly, there is nothing else like us in creation. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> we are amazing. That's right. And so we are the image of God in creation. Okay. We are the idols. Like the thing that he made that reflects his image back in the world. Uh, yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. I don't like the word idol. I here, know we don't like it. But uh, it, would is there a better word? Can we say icon? An icon, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. an icon, an idol, an image, right? This is what God has done. Right. He's the one who has the. He's the only one who has the, the right to do that. Yeah. He's the creator, and so he shapes us and forms us in his image in mud, right? And then he shapes us and forms us. Right. In his image and spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what we are in the world. Mm. Right now, as we move about the world, uh, when we try to uh, top God. Right. We think that we can do the same thing for ourselves mm. that we now and this is what you see in the in the, the brokenness of the fall and in the continuation of that story through humanity, even to today is that we begin to make idols for ourselves. Yeah. That's God's work. 
God's the creator. And all we're doing is fashioning uh, things in our own image. Hmm. Right. Um, but it's a broken image now. Right. Our own image and likeness. I, I think about that passage in Genesis, even when, you know, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, the image of God is marred. In the fall, right? Humanity still bears the image of God, but that image is uh, broken and scarred. And then it says, when Ad, when Adam had lived X amount of years, he fathered Seth in his own image and likeness. Right. 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 And you know, you have that distinction, that change, where all of a sudden you have to assume that on some level, Cain and Abel were born in the image and likeness of God. You know, before the fall, are they before the fall? Why did why does it happen? We don't. Then? We don't know when don't they know. were born. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, they were. They were born afterward. Anyway, it says it with Seth. I'd have to sit with that for a while. But it says with Seth that Adam fathered Seth in his own image and likeness. Um, and so there's this change that <laughs> happens, and I think you're onto something there, where we then begin to fashion images in our own likeness right uh, and so we 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 create idols for ourselves mm. this is what makes jesus so amazing you know is that when you get to like i'm working through matthew now because we'll be teaching matthew in, in january right for catechism stuff um jesus becomes that unique not creation and yet created thing again um where it's earth and mary sure and then it's spirit and god sure and so Joseph, the father, is in Matthew is just sort of like he's there sure, as a support system, but he has no – so it's no longer in their image. This is a human, right? and it's God's image again in Jesus. This is why Jesus becomes – I mean, this is – we have to look at this from an archetypal perspective. It's so intriguing. That's why I love iconography. Like we paint – we make pictures of this image again, and it's no longer an idol hmm. because God actually did it again. Right. And he's the restored, corrective image of humanity right. and image of God at the same time. Right. And we go, there it is. Right. And so we have this, like uh, people will often ask, you know, why do you have a, why do you have these pictures of Jesus around? It's like, oh, because it's a correct icon. It's right. a correct quote unquote idol. It's right. a correct image. It's a likeness of, of what we understand Jesus to have looked like in many sure. ways, but it's also bigger than that. Yeah, it's not just physical, it's theological. <laughs> right. It's, it's, they communicate theological truths. That's right. And I do want to say one thing. You said created, but not created, or something like that, just to make sure that people know that. We do believe that Jesus was begotten, not made. He was not created, but he was, he did grow in the sure. womb of a woman. Yes. Otherwise, yes. somebody's going to be like, oh, those guys aren't orthodox. Yeah, They're yeah. Like no, just... no, no. He yeah. is a, um, God is, Jesus is not a created being. Correct, correct. Right. His yeah. flesh is, through sure. Mary, right. begotten. Right. And so, you yeah, know, this is the beautiful thing. It came from one of Mary's eggs. Right. It's just remarkable. One hundred percent remarkable, right? Yeah. The immaculate conception is well immaculate. It's beyond our conception <laughs> in many ways. Yes, but I think part of what you're well, articulating. Thank you, thank you for clarifying that. I wasn't yeah. trying to be. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And and I think you know part of what you're articulating is exactly the challenge of faith, right? Faith faith becomes um, 
about its content in many ways, and its content is about the object of our faith, right? The content of our faith is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one who created all things and by whom all things exist and who came in the form of man uh, and grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man so that we could not only know more about God, but so that he could die in our place, rise again from the dead, and ascend into heaven uh, so that we could be united to him through faith. Um, and I mean, even when, and people, I've said this in catechism several times, but I mean, <clears throat> it is bonkers what we believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a scandal. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Give me one second. We're new to this. I'm going to make sure we're still recording over here because our screen did that. We might edit this out. We might not. Of course we're recording. Look at that. We're still going. I'll edit this out. You don't have to edit it out. It just shows our humanness. Yeah, we can edit it out. It's no big deal. Or not. And we're back. And we're back. But I think, you know, Hebrews 11 tells us that, um, you know, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, right? There's this reality that for us as image bearers, right, we have this internal sense that we exist for something more than just ourselves, I think that that's born into us and we're constantly searching for it, right? We're constantly looking for that thing that's unseen. We have this conviction that there's something more to life and we look for it all over the place. That's like human um, 101, right? We're Mm -hmm. constantly trying to figure out why am I here? Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And there's only one place where the answer's legitimately found although there are so many answers that the world throws our way, right? And I think that's where we end up in conflict with true faith, right? Being the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, ultimately the life, death, resurrection of Christ, our union with him through faith. Um, But it's so difficult when you have all these things that you can actually see Mm-hmm. that are tangible, that are right in front of you, that are offering you potential purpose and meaning and life, uh, that say, hey, give yourself to me and you will flourish. Right. And you won't. Right. Ultimately, you won't, you but won't. that's the promise. Uh, and it's a lie. We could say that's the lie mm-hmm. that's promised, if you will, you know? Well, no, and, but I'll say there's, this is a part of how we're geared as humans and how we've been made. Yeah. We've talked about this. We're, we're, we're geared and made to give our lives to things. Sure. Right? And, and that's not like all of the good movies are trying to communicate this. Um, 
you know, this idea of this, the importance of, of family, the importance of friendships, the importance of community, the importance of living beyond uh, ourselves, living out. All the good movies are geared that way. Uh, they're just missing the actual way of doing it, which is to give your life right. to Christ fully. Right. Um, because he is the only one who can restore us back to that issue of how we're made to be. Right. Of of those who are of the earth. Right. And also an ascended people who are also of heaven. Right. Who have the spirit breathed into us again. Right. Um, and it doesn't mean that we always get it right. I mean, nobody's, I mean, we're not trying to, but this is the issue of. No, that's good. Of a faithful life versus idolatry, which is just the placing of myself or the those things uh, at the forefront of my life, and I'm looking to them, and they're supposed to solve all the issues for me in my life. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's good. I think, and I don't know how many people who listen to this don't come from a faith background, but I think that what you just articulated is so helpful because— you know, going back to where we started in the garden, right? Man is formed out of the dust of the earth. God breathes his spirit, his life into man so that man can be this icon, right? Who reflects the goodness of God to the creation around him. Man chooses himself over God, right? He chooses essentially the image That's right. over the creator. Correct. And the result is brokenness, right? And that's an idol. Exactly. An image over the creator, over the creator, over the, <laughs> over the yeah. creator is, is an idol. Right. And, and the end result is this brokenness of relationship between God and man, between humanity. You and I have broken relationship between creation and man. And even in myself, I lack peace with myself. I am now at odds even with myself as a result of the fall. And the only way that that can be restored is in the person of Jesus Christ who comes in order to reconnect us, like you said, to breathe the Spirit of God mm-hmm. back into us. Pentecost is our is our like external picture of this reality. Sure. And we then can live as we were meant to live in the very beginning, but chose not to live. And now, even, even now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, who lives and dwells in you, who lives and dwells in me, the choice is still daily— Will I choose the creator or will I choose the image? Will I choose the creator or will I choose the idols that the world offers me? Um, will I choose myself or will I choose God? Yeah, and even I, I think when you brought up Pentecost, I was even thinking about Jesus in John when he comes to the uh, to the disciples in the upper room. Yeah. And he breathes on them. Yeah. This is a redoing, right, of mm-hmm. the very beginning of the story. Right. Like, I'm going to breathe back on you. I'm going to fill your nostrils again with a new kind of thing, a new spirit. Right. To, to, to change you. Like, it's, a re- it's not a reversing. It's, a, it's almost a moving forward. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you back the way that you're meant to be. Yeah. So that the world will. And then you're now in the world as a proper steward. Right, who now can see the world for what it is, right, right, and 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 hopefully guide creation, um, and the rest of the world back 
uh, out of this bondage of of death and idolatry back to to God. Right, right, right. Um, <clears throat> not to make too much light of that scene, but I've always wondered. I feel like Jesus and the disciples probably joked around quite a bit, but I've always wondered if maybe he just ate a bunch of like real garlicky hummus. I think he didn't eat anything yet. And he came and he like breathed on him and was like, ah, everybody was like, why are you breathing on me? Oh, that maybe that's the sign that it was a bad joke. Um, <clears throat> well, okay, so let's let's go one layer further, all right? So the restoration of humanity in the person of Jesus, right, through faith. Paul says that by grace we are saved through faith, and this is not our own doing. It is a gift of God. So there's some sense that faith itself is a gift from God, Um what is it what does it look like to live faithfully to live as one who has faith to the creator to Jesus Christ as lord and savior um and then if we can kind of go down that road a little bit then we can maybe put the foil up put the opposite side of that up um of idolatry so as you think about it as you've walked with people how do you describe that process of living by faith well i know that we had discussed this issue of what are, what are we what where do our allegiances lie mm. which i think is a really important thing i think that's part of it yeah we were discussing last night we had a bunch of guys together talking about philippians last yeah. night and father clint was unpacking philippians 4 with us and yeah. did a great job i thought it was I a wonderful really time. enjoyed it such a such a great dude. That was actually who was trying to call me. Oh, oh no, I'll see. I'll see you doing. He wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> Stu Priest talking, Clint. <laughs> that being said, we do look forward to having Father Clint on. We do. Um, but it's you would mention this just in the homily on Sunday. The importance of worship mm. and um, and our affections. Yeah. You know what? Do, what do we hunger for? Um, what do we love? Uh, I think allegiance is a part of that, mm-hmm. but I think ultimately there's this issue of what do we desire? What do we love? What do we want? That's where we'll go. Yeah, that's where we'll go. Um, and I think worship, like you were saying on Sunday, which I thought was really helpful, is is not just us sort of giving our praise to God and being thankful. That's part of it for sure. It's also God's doing something to us in the midst of it. But it's also, as Smith said, and James yeah. Kennedy Smith, yeah. it's also a recalibration of our affections. Yeah. And where do we, where, where is our heart going? Um, if you are truly seeking God and your affections and your worship is going to Him, uh, it's much easier to spot idols mm. in our life. Right? So I think a true faithful life is one that is whole, I mean, and this, I mean, that's, it's what Jesus says too, you know, like, it's what we remind people of the summary of the law. Right. It's like, what do you love? Do you love God? By your heart, soul, mind, strength. Do you love neighbor as yourself? Yeah. When we love ourselves more than our neighbors, there's idolatry. Mm. When we love our neighbors as ourself and God, then we have properly aligned love properly aligned worship. And I would say that our faith follows. Mm. 
and it follows down that path of our affections. Yeah. Because that's where our allegiance lies. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. No, I think that's that... how I that's how I think of it. I think it's oftentimes we think of faith as a cognitive understanding. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I believe that this and this and this happened. I believe the Bible is true. I believe this and this. It's like you that's great. Sure, mental assent is a part of faith. Sure. Yeah. But where does where where is my heart going? Right. Where where do my affections lie? Right. Schmeeman said, Alexander Schmeeman said, that the fall is not so much about disobedience, right, to God, as it is being hungry for something other than God. Mm. And I've all, that's always stuck with me. Yeah. That it's a, it's a it's an issue of here. It's an affection outward. I want something other than God. Right. Right. That's idolatry. That's faithlessness. Well, that's how I would unpack it. What are your thoughts? No, I think that's great. I I mean. I wrote this quote by Aquinas up here. Thomas Aquinas says, Believing is an act of the intellect, assenting to the divine truth by command of the will, moved by God through grace. Like, so there's this, there's this both and piece, right. right? We intellectually have to assent to the truths of the Christian faith, right? right. So for us, you know, we could think Nicene Creed, you know. Um, I was just thinking creedal. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of the formulations of our faith. Um, we mentally assent to those things, but, uh, and, and we do that by an act of the will that has been strengthened by the grace of God, right? The grace of God nudges our will in such a way that we can mentally assent to those things. But mental assent isn't the, the end-all, be-all. I think you're really onto something there. You know, Matthew Bates has a book called uh, Salvation by Allegiance Alone, where he essentially articulates that the word pistis, the Greek word pistis, which is often translated, and it could be pistis. I, pistis. I, pistis, yeah. yeah, is, I always Spanishize my words, pistis. It's <laughs> uh, <is> pistis. Uh, <laughs> that was Italian. That's, that's not, right. that's not. That's a pistis. That's, that's Italian. That's all right. Um, pistis is, uh, which we translate as faith in the Greek, from the Greek into faith, is maybe better articulated as allegiance because faith leads to an action, right? Right. If we believe that this is true, and, and Paul talks about the obedience of faith, right? We we are moving towards something where we are uh, obeying the faith. And so it's not just mental assent because Christianity is not merely a faith of the mind. It's a holistic faith because it includes the entirety of ourselves. And so I think that's it. The, there is a question of, and it takes time, right? We have our entire lives to move into this. Um, but if I say the creed every Sunday and yet leave church and live in a way that's contrary to loving the Lord, my God, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and and I don't love my neighbor as myself, then I, I, I would say that I'm in jeopardy, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. part of what Paul talks about. You know, we, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Um, it's not just about praying a prayer when I'm eight years old that makes me right with God, and then I can live however I long to live, back to that matter of affections, you know, because I go from being an eight-year-old child 
whose affections are pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want God to love me, and I don't want to go to hell. To a 13, 14, 15-year-old boy who now longs for uh, maybe the affections of women and sure. all of these other things, I could go all the way down a road that does not line up with what I profess to believe. And as a result, I don't have faith. Uh, my life doesn't demonstrate the faith that I proclaim. And I, th- I think there's an issue there. You will know a tree by its fruit. Um, and, and ultimately, I think that matter of affections is part of what leads us into a space where we find our life not flourishing, where we find ourselves, unless, unless we're choosing to live in a way that lines up with what we say we believe, we won't flourish, you know, um, as Christians. No, um, we won't, because idolatry, because I think idolatry is the complete opposite of faith. Okay. Right. Um, and faithfulness, um, Faithfulness to God can be reciprocated by a living God. Sure. Right. Yeah, he meets us in it. Yeah, there's relationship first and foremost. It's like I'm faithful to my affection goes to God, ultimately because his affections come to me. It's a response. So there's actually a relationship that's taking place. Yeah. Right? Um, but what we do now, well, and maybe you're going to, are you going to Isaiah 44? Yeah, I thought yeah, that was Yeah, yeah. Isaiah 44 is fantastic because it shows us what idolatry truly is at, at, at a very base human sort of like level, um, which is literally nothing. Right. There's, and, and people, and so you, you know, I, I, um, when a lot of times evangelicals or, you know, Christians will be like, I believe in a living God. And it's like, it sounds annoying, right? Because <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't want to, but there's something very true about that. Yeah. Like it's a God that lives and who is actually living towards me. Right. Right. Has actually given himself to me. Centrifugal. Yeah. In yeah. his movement. Out towards humanity. Right. Um, and I, I, so there's a relational component. Right. Uh, idolatry stops with me. Yeah. There's, there's literally nothing uh, behind it. Yeah. Uh, even if, even if. Now, I know you're going to read this. Even if my idol is community and friendship, mm. right? It's still shaped and formed in my own image of what that should be. And when it doesn't fulfill the things I want it to, this is what Bonhoeffer talks about in Life Together. Yeah. Where he's like, the greatest the, the greatest um, hazard, and I'm going to you know, butcher it. The you're greatest gonna, hazard. You're going to paraphrase it. I'm going to paraphrase in here. The greatest hazard to um, authentic Christian community is the person who loves community more than Christ, mm. right? Because it will ultimately be shaped and formed in their image, and it will then fail them, and then they'll be angry, right? and those who they were in community with will become enemies. Sure, and so they'll find new community. And they'll do the they'll, same thing. They'll toss it off, yeah. yeah. This is great. Uh, Isaiah 44, talking about, I'd, and I'd love to get into this with where we're at societally now, but this is precisely what we do. Yeah, I kind mean, of. We don't make idols anymore like this, but some people may. You feel you feel you feel the humor here in oh, this it's passage. Hysterical. 
you know, all who fashion idols are nothing and the things they delight in do not profit. And you skip down. I started there in verse nine, but you skip down. The carpenter stretches a line. Um, he marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in his house. He cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the half he eats meat, he roasts it and is satisfied. Also, he warms himself and says, Aha! I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays it to it and says, Deliver me. For you are my God. And I mean, it's a hilarious passage, That's right? That's great. It's also, it's also sad, but you know, you're talking about how the living God actually meets us, right? Meets us and communicates to us. And I mean, for us, we believe meets, he meets us in the sacraments, but he meets us in his spirit and in his body. And here, you know, there is this sense that the idol meets this man or this woman in the warmth of the fire, right? There's that quick, and I love that it's fire because fire goes so fast, right? It's literally that flash in the pan. And so there's that moment of warmth, and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. And yet he bows down to the other half of this piece of wood that he just burned and cooked his meat over and says, deliver me. Uh, and the irony is just so poignant. Well, the beautiful, there's a, there's a beauty in that too, hmm. in that all of the things that God has set up in creation. Yeah. The tree that grows, the seed, um, the fire, the meat, all of those things are gifts from God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. The rain <laughs> so that the nourishes rain, the like, tree. Yeah. It's this beautiful thing. And we just, and so, but we're enamored with, we're enamored with small things instead of the bigger thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the image, we love the images of rather than the one who created the things. And we still are. Sure. Sure. We were talking about this with, I mean, we can do this all day long with with how we are as humans towards, um, towards imageness. Yeah. I mean, social media has really brought this out of us too. I mean, we always come back to that sort of like thing, but uh, this issue of uh, the continual selfie, and we're just always trying to capture life. Yeah. Um, post it up for everybody to see. Uh, we never post bad pictures of ourselves, by the way. We post the best. That's why this is awkward in some ways. It is but, awkward. Um, I keep thinking about how am I sitting? Sure. And then, you know, if you take that idol, that idol text we just read, and then you look at the story of like the prophets of Baal. Yeah you know, lashing themselves, trying to get God to do something, trying to get their God Baal to do something, this idol they've created. So they're just destroying themselves and stabbing mm-hmm. themselves and cutting themselves and mm-hmm. maiming themselves in order to get God to do something for them. Interesting, yeah. Is an unbelievable. So they, they view themselves, their bodies, as uh, as something that will that will make the God 
respond to them. It becomes like an idol in and of itself. It becomes yeah. a, they, so it's it's ingrained in us. We we do understand ourselves to be this middle this thing between God and and creation. We do understand ourselves, and I think everybody does. They're trying to. Well, you think about all those ancient pagan religions, and and the human body is almost always the medium through which the gods are compelled to act. Sure. Yeah. Or at least an image of it. Right, right. Well, I mean, whether it's through the the cult prostitutes or the <laughs> violence of self done by the Baal worshippers, you know, like, watch me cut myself. Are you going to answer me now? You know, um, that's an interesting... I, I'm just struck by the, that image that you're putting out there, you know, that humanity becomes this medium through which these pagan gods were meant to act. If we did the right thing, they would act, right? Sure. If, if we could find the right combination of punches and kicks to throw, you know, they would do the thing that we wanted them to do. Um, and Jesus is so antithetical to that, right? He works in spite of our complete inability to do anything right ever, which is the beautiful thing about Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of God, Christ came on our behalf. Um, uh, Christ allowed us to lift him up, right? Yeah. This is interesting, in that in-between space of heaven and earth, Yeah. right? And we didn't realize we were doing this, but we did the same thing to him that like that mediation thing that you're talking about. We, mm. He allowed us to do it to him. Mm. So it's so ingrained in us that we actually did that thing to Jesus. Mm. Right? That's interesting. Yeah, we the marks that he bore in his body became our peace. Yes. Mm. The total opposite of an idol. Yeah. Right? But a true icon of who God is. Mm. Right? Yeah. God didn't ask us to maim ourselves. Mm. God came and we maimed him. Hmm. Right? Yeah. We lashed out at him. Yeah. Um, what is it? Is it, uh, hmm. I think it's Rene Girard. I think it's in Scapegoat where he talks about this. I've not read it. Um, and, I, and I'm going to totally butcher it again, paraphrasing. He talks about how in societies, um, there's this issue of, of, of casting the scapegoat over the over the uh, the, the city walls because all the danger and all the sin and all the evils out sure outside the city walls so we throw something over to appease the gods okay right and so Jesus is the one that we did that we said we can't handle him yeah so we cast him over the city walls right because we're terrified of what's out there we're terrified mm-hmm. of the darkness and the violence but we still enact it because we're terrified of it, just not to ourselves, to others. Right. Right. So we need a scapegoat. And um, the funny thing about the story of Jesus is, is that three days later, there's a knock on the city walls, hmm. on the door, and we, we open it up, and it's Jesus, who yeah. we just cast out, and he's like, you can come out now. I've taken like, there's nothing to be afraid of. Hmm. You know, um, but most of our idolatry in our own life is based out of fear instead of faith. Right. Sure. It's based out of control. A desire to control uh-huh. the Instead world of, around us. That's right. Right. The things that we're afraid of even. Yeah. And so we, we, we shape ourselves 
we form ourselves into things that we think can navigate the world, mm-hmm. but it can't. So we place ourselves as the, as the very center of our life. And we make all decisions based upon uh, how we think we'll navigate the world mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. Instead of giving our life over an act yeah. of faithfulness to God and having God do the thing to us yeah. and carry us along. We see this a lot with, um, we were talking about this, you know, and we, we don't want to just always come back to this, but we saw this with the sort of sexuality piece. Yeah, I was thinking money, sex, and power, right? Money, sex, and power. Yeah, unpack money, sex, and power. Well, I just think, you know, if if I'm processing through your statement that our idolatry is often rooted in the things that we're afraid of, and if that's the case, then we're, we're always going to see money, sex, and power at, kind of the forefront of our idolatries mm-hmm. right because money is what provides us a level of comfort you know it's how we can have a roof over our heads it's how we can have food on the table security um right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we ultimately don't want to be alone right and so relationship companionship um the desire to uh, have that intimate connection that we experience through in particular, sexual union of a husband and wife, right? But even that can become a place for manipulation and control. And if you're uh, not careful, I mean, it's part of why faithlessness is such a, in in the marriage relationships is such a big deal. It's part of why pornography is such a big deal because it gives you this illusion of control in that space, right? You're literally worshiping, uh, an idol uh, to other people or another person's naked form. Um, and then, you know, in terms of power, we hate not being in control. And so we'll grasp at it however we can. You know, all of us long for power in some way, shape, or form. And I think it plays itself out in manipulation in our relationships. It plays itself out in, I think it's part of why politics uh is so controversial such a and huge idol such life. a huge idol because we have this illusion of control that comes out of this political sphere, right? Um, I was reading, rereading, uh, Waiting for the Kingdom by James K. A. Smith, and he talks about he's talking about developing a political theology, and he talks about how there's he's quoting somebody else, but there's this uh, idolatry of the presidency, you know, that yeah. presidency is this thing that we think that if we can have our proper president in place, then everything else will be tip-top. We will have control. Um, this is the problem with democracy. That's why you want a monarchy, I know. No, I'm not even saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying it. We've talked about this. Yeah. But that's the... Democracy is, is great. I don't know of a better way except for monarchy. I, but it is about us. Right. Democracy is about me. Well, what do is. I want? I mean, what you do see I get it to in choose? We the people. Right? Yeah, we the people. We are the ones who who get to do all the decision making. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really rooted. Like are the, the political people we, and this is why they're, they've learned to, this is why politicians have learned to navigate that world so well and speak to the things on a deeper level. Sure. Right. This is why, as Americans, typically... We don't really care what you say as long as you look good on camera and you kiss the baby. Hmm. Like, we, we don't. Well, we actually care what you say. We don't care what you do. 
as long as you as long as you can in some ways uh speak to our sense of rightness right so that we feel like if you're empowered we're in control we don't care if you um uh-oh treat women terribly or treat them great I don't remember how I was sitting when I got up to fix that computer, so I can't like do a smooth video edit, so it's not going to really matter. The last word out of your mouth was women. I think I said, uh-oh. But, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we don't really care how a president treats others in his private life. Obviously, we've had so many misogynists as presidents that, we have. Uh, I mean, uh, it'd be hard to make the argument. You're right. Uh, <laughs> that, obviously we've moved from a place where character doesn't matter quite so much right. because we want to, we want that illusion of control so much virtue and character no longer matter. Um, but anyway, as long as you would, as long as you, you don't even have to believe that that's, that's funny. You don't even have to believe what I believe. We just sure. need for you to say that you do and to make decisions based around my ethic. Right. And you look at, that and it's typically around issues of idolatry sure it could be money right it could be ideological issues like mm -hmm. uh, abortion um or uh, whatever else it might be but i think that's kind of the funny the funny thing is politics really demonstrates um <laughs> i'm gonna just say it i think politics is an arena that really demonstrates how well we're uh how well we're walking faithfully with God, right? I think sure. the question of our allegiance is a really interesting one. And are we truly um, faithful to God? Or are we more interested in uh, allegiance to ourselves? And I think that comes out in politics. But I think it comes out in a lot of places, but that one's just, maybe maybe that one's just an easy It's a very easy oil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, the other one too is right now with idolatry. You know, I know we need to sort of sum things up. But we do see this in the whole sexual, uh, sure. uh, it's a sort of a new weird sexual revolution that we're going through. Yeah. Culturally, um, where the individual uh, gets to determine everything about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and they hold themselves in their own identity. Right. Um, as as the sort of pinnacle of, of human expression, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so they get to, and this is so crazy, they actually get to carve a very unique and individualized image of themselves. Sure. And they get to put that out there for the world to see, mm. right? This is idolatry. Yeah. And this becomes, this image of them becomes the connecting point of people to themselves. Yeah. Right. So now there's a median between me and other people. Right. Right. This is who I am. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is, this is what I want to be called. Yeah. Right. You see, I'm able to, to create my own identity. Right. And then you need to, if you're going to really speak to me. Yeah. Uh, you need to move through that idol. You need to move through the thing that I've created in order to get to me. In some ways, I become God, mm. right? And this is how you'll speak to me. Sure. And this is how you'll view me. 
Yeah. It's a, it's an idol. Well, and it's interesting too because, you know, you think about, <clears throat> and we have so many of these from an ar- archaeological perspective, but ancient idols, and uh, you could even think about the sacred feminine and the ancient idol idols that we have there of, you know, real round bellies and big breasts because the thing that was worshipped in women was often fertility sure. and their womanhood and things like that, and so that was the thing that got carved into these idols, and then today you know to your point the idol is almost here it lives in my mind Mm -hmm. and now i can bring it to fruition i i can say well i i mean to continue down the road that you started us down right there's i'm biologically male but in my mind i am not biologically male i'm actually female and that is the thing that if i can attain it will fulfill me right that image of the feminine that I have in my mind, if I can become that thing, then my life will be full, right? My life will be right. And so I change my actual physical body to reflect an image in my mind. And that's a fascinating place and space to live in. Um, I think that that we're going to see some pretty drastic consequences and repercussions from these movements. Um, As a society... And as humanity as a whole, I mean, in the West in particular, where this is happening. Yeah, so it's it's in some ways it's um, like we had said earlier, it's the it's the the maiming of the body. Yeah, because um, it's not holy. Yeah, in the same in this yeah 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 in the same way, it's my body becomes the medium through which that's right the divine is achieved. Right, that's right. Yeah, and so if I can maim it and change it. Um, if I can whip myself enough or cut myself enough, um, then I'll receive something, Mm -hmm. what I'm actually looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, there's a lot there. There's yeah, that's like a whole podcast. Yeah. Right. We should probably do a series on the importance of human sexuality and the human body. Yeah. Design. The theology of, of the, the theology of the body. Uh, yeah. Um, Coming next, actually, is what we had talked about doing next season was a potentially one yeah. on human sexuality, theology of the body. Um, just in time to, as we go on to YouTube, to get yeah, get canceled off. by YouTube. Um, yub tub, man. Yeah, I think you know, and that's a really fascinating example of um, an idol promising you life, and yet actually taking and destroying your very life right you're actually taking and destroying and especially in say the sense of a of a um, gender transition surgery you're actually taking the ability that you have to create life and destroying it too correct Um, you're actually stripping yourself um yeah you 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 have it written down here um asks for nothing and takes everything yeah um i think that's the lie that idols promise mm-hmm. that they that they ask for nothing yeah but they end up taking everything yeah yeah yep um whereas uh i think christ faith and faith in christ asks for everything right right at the front end mm-hmm. come and die and you will have new life. So the the request from from Christ is come to me and die. 
Take up your cross, follow me, and in that you will receive life and life to the full, abundant life, both here and now and in, in, and in the life to come. Um, and I think that's challenging, you know, going back to Hebrews 11 and 12, faith being uh, the assurance of things hoped for um, and the conviction of things not seen. That hall of faith in Hebrews 12 is all about these men and women who lived faithfully but never saw in this life the fullness of what they hoped for, right? And that's the challenge for us too. We may not ever experience the fullness of our hope in this life. And yet we are promised it in the life to come in the resurrection. Um, and that is challenging. There's no way around it. Yeah. I feel like uh, as we come to the, really as we come to the close, I feel like we've, I feel like we've only hit like <laughs> scratch the surface. Yeah, because my mind is just racing with things about faithfulness versus idolatry. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's, I just, the thing is, is like, we are all guilty of idolatry in our life mm -hmm. that takes us away from the love of God and takes us away from being faithful to Him. Oh, I mean, it's, I mean, I just want to go down the list of things. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's hobbies, like, food, uh, homes, you know, whatever it could be. Anything can become an idol in many ways. Yeah, I, I, idolatry is sort of the manifestation of sin. Sure, right? It's the that's a good way maybe to ex explain it. It's like if there is sin in your life, mm. it will manifest itself through tangible things. Yeah, it always will. That's what an idol is. Yeah, it's not just something we create and then we begin to worship it. It actually comes out of a place of worship in terms of sin, mm -hmm. like poorly associated or poorly directed worship with sin, right? And it begins to take shape. Right. And then it becomes a thing. Yeah. And we can't get away from it. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think, you know, we were hoping next week to talk about the the piece of human flourishing that is the actual death to self. Um, and I think that will hopefully give us some more space to unpack even what you're talking about here. You know, there's, I think we have two more left on the board, dying to self and then giving, like mm -hmm. actually giving, what does it look like to be a person who gives, um, of time, energy, wealth, etc. Because I think giving is the antithesis, antithesis of an idolatrous heart, right? Which can only, you can only give when you've truly died to yourself. And so I think we'll have some space to continue to unpack this one faith versus idolatry, because ultimately the entirety of how we are to live our lives as Christians is rooted in our faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a challenge. I think, I think the beauty of the Christian faith for me is that it's a process, right? That it does not need to be one and done, but that we get to walk hand in hand with Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and alongside our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ for the entirety of our lives and hopefully each new day look more like Jesus than we did the day before. I love that. That's the, that's the, the being shaped and formed into the image. Yeah. Right. So and likeness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's, that's idol language. Yeah. Right. We don't I mean, right. Uh, it's Paul uses it's it. icon language. Yeah. Right. Of being shaped and formed and made God's making us. Mm -hmm. He's the one who's carving us. Right. 
He's the potter. Yes. Right. All of that's taking place in the in the in the biblical narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's it's a it's a yeah. I could just go on and on and on. Right. And I think the beauty of the Christian faith is that ultimately, ultimately we trust that God is the one who's going to bring this about. You know, we interact with Him. We have to be faithful to live into what we profess. But it's his faithfulness to us that will accomplish his purposes in our lives, not our faithfulness to him, right? His faithfulness to, to us ultimately is where we are uh, hopefully going to see ourselves grow into true, true manhood and womanhood, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Sure. Well, I know you're getting ready to close. Well, I was, go ahead. But our, his faithfulness to us allows us to reciprocate that relationship with faithfulness back. Mm. That's a life of faithfulness. Yeah. It's not that I just, I don't begin the process. Right, right. God begins the process. And I occasionally here and there, you know. Respond. I may actually do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not by my own merit, but because the spirit that God has given me breathed into me. Right. As a person who's supposed to be a, an icon in the world, actually maybe get it right. And then I fail. And thank goodness for confession and repentance. Yeah, I fell like 358 right. more times. Yeah. And then there may be a time where I go, oh, you know what? I actually responded well. Yeah. I lived into that icon. Right. I said no to the idolatry. I said no to the idolatry. I, I said, said yes, yes yeah. to the icon. Yeah, to faith, to yeah. being a faithful yeah. icon. To Jesus. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Mm. You know, one of the ways we do this is in, is in our marriages. Hmm. Yeah. And so I just wanted to say... <laughs> Go ahead. A thank you. Yeah. And to our listeners, Brenna. Yeah. And, and Katie. Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with us and all of our failings. Um, and our, our, our marriages are a great training ground for what does it look like to live. Faithfully. Yeah. I just brought that up so I could bring them into it. I know. <laughs> we don't need to go down that road yet. We'll save that for next season. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds good. We do, s- we do have a couple more uh, microphones now, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are hopeful that maybe some of our first guests will be. Brenda and Katie. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you because we asked, we part of the thing that we want to do with this uh, is we want this to be sort of a, a place where we can do catechism um, for our church. So we can say, hey, if you want to, you know, in the future as we begin to dive into maybe liturgical seasons or we begin to dive into to other things uh, related to church life and whatnot, we can use this as a, as a place for catechism. And so the church was very kind and just said, hey, we like that you guys are doing a podcast. We like that you're sharing it with the church and millions and millions of people. So many <laughs> listeners. The world. That's right. And um, But it's been helpful, I think, as a, as a medium for people to maybe who want to learn about Anglican faith or want to learn about the Christian faith or just want to learn about uh, something. That's right. Or, you know, or make fun of us. That's right. It's good entertainment. Maybe Amen. Make fun of us. But uh, so thankful for Old North Abbey for saying, hey, we like that you guys are doing this. We'll put this in the budget and get yourself some equipment that is... Uh, now we look pro. We might have to change the name of our uh, podcast to... Uh, two Pros Talking. The Two Priests Talking Experience since we're the Joe Rogan of the Anglican faith. No, we're not. Well... That, that that review said it. Oh. So we are then. <laughs> Tell me about your mustache today. Uh, it's Movember, man. Mm. It's November. It's the mustache season. Mm. 
I actually did it because a parishioner had a mustache and there weren't very many. And so I said I'd shave a mustache with him. Judah's got a mustache. Oh, he does? Yeah. Judah said he listens to our podcast. Judah's great. Yeah. I'm thankful like for him and Rachel. Very kind. That's right. Good souls. Um, you want to, you were going to pray for us. You had found a prayer oh, yeah. to close us out. You want to, sure. you want to pray? We're going to flip the script because I usually, now. I usually pray <laughs> and you, you usually send us out with a blessing. Yeah, I do have one issue mm-hmm. is that our, um, our logo has me on the left. Yeah. And now you're on the left. People are going to be confused. I will be mind blown. This is a prayer for a virtuous heart. Hmm. Want to see how long I watch you close your eyes? <laughs> Just trying to pray here, man. I'm sorry. This I thought it was over fun. here telling jokes. <laughs> hey, has anyone, ever, for a virtuous heart. anyone ever told you you have a real face for radio? <laughs> hopefully, we'll uh, have, hopefully we'll have virtuous hearts. Mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, give me, O oh Lord, a steadfast heart, which no unworthy thought can drag down, an unconquered heart, which no tribulation can wear out, an upright heart, which no unworthy purpose can tempt aside. Bestow upon me understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and faithfulness that finally may embrace you. Amen. Amen. And receive this blessing. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you with his peace and joy. May you one day find him to be the delight of your heart and the joy of your salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for our inaugural video. Are we supposed to say subscribe? Two, two priests talking. Like, subscribe, review. We have uh, lots of reviews on iTunes. You know, maybe listen to us on Spotify. Give us a review over there. And then, I, I don't know. I suppose you can comment in YouTube videos. We'll have to decide if we want comments or not because that's a whole other thing and we really don't want to deal with it. Will we Social ever do, media forum. Will we ever do a sort forum. of casual? Will we ever do like a sort of oh, yeah. casual hats and? Oh yeah, we can't always be in clericals because we're also not always in clericals. Also today, USA plays Iran. Two o'clock. Enjoy. Peace.